Enjoying these episodes? Give us a shout out on social at Built On Air. We'd love to hear your comments and suggestions. So drop us a like and be sure to subscribe to catch new episodes when they release. It helps us keep the podcast going. Welcome to Built On Air, a podcast and video series about all things Airtable. On today's episode, we travel to Bloomington, Indiana to chat with Chuck Beckett and Jar Turner of WFHB Community Radio. Chuck, IT specialist and member of the station's board of directors, and Jar, general manager, both began their venture at WFHB by volunteering, and both are passionate about the sense of community provided by their station. When the pandemic hit, WFHB was forced to restrict access to the studios and became ever more reliant on technology, which is of course where Airtable comes to the rescue. The station largely relies on volunteers to do everything from DJing, news reporting, and even radio theater. Using Airtable's new sync feature, they are able to sync their volunteer calendar to several different bases and securely share these bases amongst their volunteer base. Chuck calls this a game changer, and we have to agree. Chuck demos his calendar server base for us today, which is available on the Airtable universe. The base allows a user to enter a start date and frequency and yields dates that can be used in a recurring fashion on a calendar. One other project of interest is Chuck's recently released app called Orc. Orc is packaged into an Airtable base that is also available on the universe and employs the scripting app to output pretty printed formulas, something formula-loving users often find is missing from Airtable's native formula editor. Check out the show notes for links to learn more about WFHB Community Radio and see Chuck's bases on the Airtable universe. Good morning, Jar and Chuck. Thank you so much for joining us on Built On Air today. Happy to be here. Hi, Allie. Hello. It's a pleasure to talk to both of you. Um, So you are both from WFHB Radio, and this is the first time we've had anybody from a radio station on our show, so I'm really excited to hear about this, and I love community radio. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your backgrounds and how you got started in that. Sure. I'll start things off. I've worked for a variety of Fortune 500 companies over the years as a software consultant, a developer, team lead, and an architect. But I retired in 2017, and I no longer had to travel to my clients every week. So I decided I would join WFHB as a volunteer. And it's been a rewarding and enriching experience. And I'd like to introduce now the general manager of WFHB, Jar Turner, to explain a little bit about what WFHB is. Sure. So WFHB's call letters um, stand for Firehouse Broadcasting. We're a community radio station. We're a nonprofit, non-commercial community radio station. We were formed as a nonprofit and the mid seventies. It took a while for the FCC applications to really, um, to really stick. And it finally stuck in 1993. We've been on the air since then. It's, it's been a wild ride since then. I've been general manager since 2016. I'm probably the, I'm, I'm literally the 15th general manager since the station started. And, um, uh, WFHB started as a kind of a, uh, a counter to um, mid-70s uh, exclusion of local, um, local artist content on radio. That's radio stations started to become more commercialized and bigger and more 
uh, exclusive and harder to harder to get your music played. Also became less diverse. Stations went to formats, various formats, because it's easier to sell advertising to targeted groups. But WFHB started as sort of a counter to that so that we could include local news and public affairs, local music, live performances, and just be connected to the community in a way that big commercial radio stations really don't. The the challenge with WFHB is that it is it's it's run by nearly 200 volunteers and a tiny staff. And things are things are I've always been evolving, but since COVID things are just like now rapidly evolving because we've had to make some quick decisions about how we operate the radio station. Right now we're doing We've got the facilities locked down, so no one is sharing studio space. And we've built a network of DJs who are broadcasting live from their their houses. And so we've set up we've set it up so that one DJ could stream from their house, and then another DJ can be queued up on the next on a, a second stream, and then the automation just switches it over. And so everyone's had fun naming their studios and just giving clever names for their studios and just doing what they would normally be doing uh, inside the station, but outside the station. So that's where we are in a nutshell, how we operate in a radio station and just a brief history. That is incredible. Seriously, I, I was going to ask if that was like kind of if, if COVID had affected you at all. And that's amazing. You've been able to kind of pick up your day to day operations and, and move them to home. That's really, really something to be proud of, I would say. And also, I love that you're focusing so much on local artists. So is that sort of like uh, the general gist of the station? It's very local. And I saw you also do like radio theater and stuff like that on your website. Yeah, our, our mission statement is a little lengthy, but it's it, it basically our mission statement is that we exist to um, promote local dialogue and promote local cultural diversity. And that's just part of ingrained in what we do and decisions we make as uh, a nonprofit, uh, decisions we make in programming our, our shows, what news content we are, are choosing to air, you know, what our reporters prioritize. Um, it's also a great training ground for young journalists and, and um, production engineers as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so in your transition after COVID, has, has Airtable, or during COVID, I should say, um, has Airtable helped you to kind of manage that um, day-to-day operation and which DJs are on at what time, et cetera? Uh, in some cases, some, some of those ideas are in the works. Um, right now, we use Airtable to simply alleviate our frustration just trying to manage a volunteer database with one shared Google Sheet document that nobody knows what you know what's relevant on it or not. If it's you know if if someone messes up on one of the columns or you know and things get reorganized. Mm-hmm. Um, so before COVID, we were kind of already eyeballing. Um, Airtable, and we already had things in the works, and Chuck really took the lead on figuring out how to get that information imported into Airtable. And it, um, what we're going to be using it for in the future is using it for tracking milestones on a volunteer's journey throughout their training. So if they take a course, they they can fill a survey out while they're in the course. It's synchronized with our database, and it shows up. You know, they've taken this course, they've, they've, they're certified here, 
you know, they're qualified to do this role. And, and roles are also something that we're tracking in Airtable as well. And so it's really interesting to just see all this data connecting and just Airtable just kind of being a conduit to it all. Absolutely. I think it's so cool how Airtable, a lot of people think of it as just like a place to organize things, but really it's kind of like a launching pad if you could take it that next step to like launch these automations and processes. So that's super exciting. And, and normally I, I, I do have a, I do have a little gripe about companies that are the, like the be all end all and have all your problems solved. But Airtable is interesting because it's not really like that. It's more like you just, it's exactly, it's exactly what you put into it. Yes, exactly. And you can, you know, use that to whatever uh, end you see fit. So I think that's interesting. Certainly. So when somebody volunteers for your radio station, what kind of work are they doing? And I'm, I'm interested to hear like what sorts of volunteers you're looking for and um, like what roles they do play. Uh, first and foremost, the uh, most popular one is DJing, a mm -hmm. uh, two-hour radio shift. Uh, normally, we would have daytime mixed shows with um, with what we, in in radio languages, called the ad pool, which is basically a a the fifteen albums that you know we decided that we're going to put into the physical library at the station, mm -hmm. um, and. Um, those daytime mix shows are focused on just getting new music in a rotation, supporting current touring artists, and um, just keeping the music industry flowing. And uh, we have the, our evening and weekday or weekend programs, which are more specialized to specific genres. We have a blues show. We have a few different jazz shows. We have bluegrass shows. Uh, we have reggae Reggae Children on Sunday is a big popular one. Um, um, pretty much not everything you could name because there are hundreds of genres and there are only so many hours in the schedule, but uh, there are are so many different types of music on WFHB. That was really why it was created. It was, it was kind of an anti-format radio. Uh, but back to what other roles there are in, that are available, we do have a number of uh, volunteers who review music and suggest, you know, do a little write-up and review it and suggest it to the music director. We have volunteers that do that. We have volunteers that set up um, the engineer live program, live um, live music programs. That's that's one thing that's been kind of shut down since COVID. Um, that live music coming, having bands coming in and out of the studio for a day session or a, a, a night session. Um, but, um, and I've just really touched on music. There's, um, there are a number of things that we do in our news and public affairs department. We have reporters, we have news anchors, we have uh, public affairs hosts and producers. And uh, it's just a, it's, it's a big network of volunteers. And then we've, we've had to use a lot of, um, We've had to use a lot of box.com for exchanging files and getting it into our automation. But I think we adopted pretty quickly once it was clear, like we had to shut down. Um, we, we rolled things out in, in place pretty, pretty quick. Um, but back to the uh, volunteers. Um, and 
those are all just content producers. WFHB is a nonprofit in addition to being a radio station. So it has various, it's got a board of directors that are volunteers. Uh, it's got a, a big uh, network of committees that, that tackle uh, particular topics within the, the station. So we have like a fundraising committee and we have a, a podcasting committee that's focused on like, look, you know, looking at where all our podcasts are going. And so we have various uh, committees that are kind of working behind the scenes um, that, you know, you don't realize are, are contributing to the radio station. So it's, it's not just uh, on-air volunteers. There's, there's just hundreds of, of intermoving parts within the station. That's awesome. It, it sounds like you've got lots of opportunities for people to get involved. And it sounds like a really awesome community-based station and, and thing to get involved with. So that's wonderful. Um, and so before you found Airtable, are there any like, like uh, radio-based apps or like apps that are like marketed towards people in your position that are just weren't cutting it? Or is it more your, you, like the freedom that Airtable provided or both? Uh, well, there's the obvious um, solution to trying to manage a shared Google Doc. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, it's just um, right now, it's just Chuck and I doing some testing to just scratch the surface. So we haven't really implemented this across, you know, we haven't trickled this down to staff and to other volunteers to um, begin usage. Uh, I think it's going to take a little bit of training, but um for, for future use, I can see it having all kinds of uses for just synchronizing metadata across platforms. Um, I, I envision a DJ being able to go into the air room DJ software and, you know, it's close to Mardi Gras season. They look up, I want to see what music comes from Louisiana. And then they, you know, there's a playlist, a smart playlist of all the music from Louisiana that we have in our library. So, um, so I, I don't know. I, I think I, uh, as far as you know, what we've already put into place, I think Chuck could probably speak better about how he is using it because he's kind of he's gone nuts with it. He is just <laughs> taking it. He's just taking it. He, I, I've had to say, Chuck, whoa, I need to, I need a second. Um, and there there are all kinds of ideas that Chuck has bubbling that I'm not even aware of. So um, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Awesome! I'd love to hear about those ideas, Chuck. Sure. Um- it turns out that a lot of our plans were derailed by the pandemic. Obviously, uh, that changed the way every business works. For us, we pivoted immediately to start using Airtable to collect information. For instance, we have a database of the remote broadcasting resources for each DJ. They fill out a form in Airtable, and then we know exactly what computer, what mixer, what mics they have. Mm-hmm. But um, we see the promise of Airtable way more than that. Um, you know, we, we've got a lot of things in mind. Uh, first off, the thing about Airtable is that, okay, my, my background is as a software consultant, a DBA, someone who uses spreadsheets all the time. So Airtable's been something I've been dreaming of. <laughs> Airtable lets me do most of what I most commonly want to do in a full relational database mm-hmm. with 20% of the effort. And it then combines spreadsheet and database capabilities um, in a, it manages to keep the user interface simpler than either of those, really. It provides on top of that from my uh, consulting experience with Fortune 500 companies. I really like that it has a very robust and, uh, you know, 
capable security model underlying everything, which means our volunteers, now that they can't be in the station, they can go onto the web and use this stuff. And Airtable steadily releasing new features and um, architecture enhancements to the product without really adversely impacting how easy it is to start using it. And um, that's going to be the, the topic of one of those architectural enhancements is the Airtable sync feature. And what we're going to show um, is in our demo here is, a, is a, what we call a calendar server that um, basically showcases the three amazing things about Airtable sync. And I want to talk about that first. First off, Airtable sync allows you to take data in one base and publish it to another database. Um, it, it synchronizes in real time. And that means that you don't have to do a lot of duplicate entry. You can, in this case, we're going to show uh, a base that encapsulates all the complex date logic for a full recurring database calendar server. And our volunteers can go in and enter, you know, the monthly committee meeting that they're going to have in this calendar server. But then the calendar server will publish that to all the other bases we needed. Um, we have production schedules for podcasts. We have re we could have reminders to the members of the board. Hey, your board meeting's coming up. And I'm currently using it to publish dates into my uh, personal project manager. It keeps all the manual entry in one place. I don't have to replicate it in all those places I talked about. And, and secondly, um, I call it a calendar server because in IT terms, it's really a, a component or a service that takes all the logic and puts it in one place, which means that it's so much easier to maintain. And finally, um, this can save your organization money and licensing fees. What we do, and um, I'll show this during the demo, I'll illustrate it, but we have bases in our WFHB free plan workspace where we invite many um, of our volunteers to edit the data. And then we publish that data into corresponding bases in our pro plan workspace. Mm -hmm. So in case the calendar server, for instance, folks, we have many people who can get to our free plan workspace, enter their calendar information. But then when they want to see a fancy, nice calendar that's colorized and has multiple date sequences, they simply skip up to the pro plan calendar server, which they have read-only access to. And that's fine. That's all they need. So that's going to save a lot of money. And for nonprofits like us with a limited budget, that's useful. Absolutely. You brought up amazing points and I completely relate and agree with all of them. It's, it's wonderful. It's a really good way you can use, take advantage of that free workspace and pro workspace to save money. Another really good um, advantage that I've found is it, it allows you to publish that data for other people to see and or edit in different ways. But also if you have like uh, private data in that pro base that you don't want them to see, you don't need to expose all of it. You can just sync over what you want them to see, which is really great. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. Uh, we don't particularly want to have the mailing address of all our volunteers available anywhere, but exactly. we do want their their social handles, their email, and their phones available. And with Airtable, you can do that. Exactly. Yeah, it's a great use case. 
Um, is there anything that you have not yet been able to implement with Airtable that you've wanted to? Um, I have a lot of plans, and right now it's only limited by time, really. Uh, it's just it, it, it's so it's so adaptable. As Jar pointed out, it doesn't try to be the end all be all, right. but um, it allows you to integrate with all the applications that can do that, which is really nice. Exactly. And are there any other apps in your toolkit that you're using often? Well, obviously, um, Zapier. Right. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Um, and um, we're, we're looking at, Jar's looking at using DocuSign mm -hmm. and linking that to Airtable so that we can know, um, you know, when we have volunteers come in or we have members of the board to take training or DJs that say, yes, I have read the code of conduct. That's another idea. Um, a lot of our ideas are probably just gonna just gonna come up when the need arises. Absolutely, and you'll have the tool to be able to implement, which is awesome. Yeah, I think there. You know, we could go off on an endless brainstorming session because of of what we could do with Airtable. And it, you're, and Chuck is right. All of the things that the only reason we haven't move forward with some of the ideas that we have is just because there's only a limited number, you know, it's only a certain amount of hours in the day. Um, but uh, I, you know, I can, you know, the, the one thing that I did to just get myself familiar with Airtable is I just started using it to catalog my own little literal record collection. Right. So, um, you know, I take a record, I, I make my, I create my own fields of what kind of metadata I want to track. And, that was how I learned it. Um, and that could be, you know, that could be really useful. Again, going back to the media, the media library that we have, um, it's a massive library full of physical compact discs. And, you know, I, I don't know what the future of compact disc will be. Um, we do receive fewer and fewer every year as a radio station. Um, but having, you know, having the the metadata tools to manage our music library it, it is very really promising. I'm really looking forward to digging in and, and setting aside time to get started on that. Yeah, I could imagine that being really exciting. Just a, a catalog of everything you have available, and you could even have people submit what they like if they want to play something, submit it through the website or something. Super exciting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's, there's a lot of opportunities. I want to mention a couple, even in the face of the pandemic and remote work. Um, obviously, there are podcast uh, bases out there, and um, we want to adapt those bases for our work so that um, we can coordinate amongst teams that are geographically separated. Um, we also um, we already have in our volunteer uh, development base a way to say, look, this person just filled out their initial volunteer form. We need to send them this, this, and this. We need to ensure that um, they're on our Slack channels. And we also, as they aspire to be a DJ or a news reporter, we want to um, look at those roles that they have elected and tell them what they need to do beyond what they've already done. Hey, you've got you want to be a DJ and you took our radio basics course. Well, the next thing on your development plan is our mixology course for DJs. And we could go on and on. I love that. 
I've never thought about like what would a uh, what would one of those courses entail? Just out of curiosity, just I think it's so interesting. Well, our basic radio course is taught by someone who has been with the radio station since its founding, and it's just a set of colorful stories mixed with um, how basically radio works. My virtual background, and I wish it was real, but it's not. This is where I'm every. Before the pandemic, I was every Wednesday. And if you can see, there's a lot of screens and buttons. Yes. We go over those and some basic uh, requirements of the FCC. And then our mixology course, which is the advanced course for DJs that want to play music, is there. Um, it's And as Jar has pointed out, there, there are amazing uh, variety of things you can do at the station. So... Yeah. I, I, if I could share my screen, I'd like to show a diagram of just sort of the, the workflow of uh, the opportunities. Absolutely. Okay. So this is a work in progress because things of um, COVID really impacted things. You can see this dotted line over here. Um, that's a class that we would normally offer only in the studio. So that's not one that we're doing right now. But the other opportunities here, you can see here, if you... We've got a remote broadcast training that we do once a month in addition to doing a monthly volunteer orientation. So the first part of the, the process is the volunteer orientation. And then from there, you have several different options and um, various prerequisites. Some of them don't require prerequisites at all. So, for example, if you wanted to um, learn how to be in an interview bands, then you would just work with the director of the music department. Um, directly. You would, there's no barrier for that. There's no class training required. You would just, you would just audition with the, with the director. And uh, here is the, the track for becoming a, a DJ. So um, there are two options here. Uh, these are both offered once a month in addition to the volunteer orientation. Um, this one is taught by myself and it is just a uh, quick and, and uh, easy way how to start live live broadcasting and the minimal amount of equipment that you need to get on the air. Chuck mentioned uh, a survey that we use in Airtable. So basically when I, when I hold that training, I send out a survey at the end of the end of the session. And then I tell everyone to fill out the survey and they um, fill out some information like on, about their internet speed and what uh, audio devices they'll be using. If they've got additional hardware that we could supplement and when we fill out the survey, I'm able to go back and look and like, okay, they're, they're only missing one thing. In fact, we had a session last night and we just got a shipment of new mixers and headphones in. And I looked at her, what she already had. And she, well, she's just doing it out of, out, out of her computer. So the box, the shipment of, of mixers and headsets, I just, I just said, hey, Amanda, come get it. So um, it's really easy to, do, to just prescribe um, from a, um, an engineering standpoint, like here's what you need to get on the air. Uh, and it's, it's, it's created access in a different way as well, especially with right now in Indiana. And I'm sure it's, it's, way it's, it's worse in Boston. You know, we're covered in snow. And for those, for those that live out in the country, um, if they have a remote broadcast, they, they're no longer prohibited from doing their show because the roads aren't cleared. Right. So, um, so 
but yeah, we're able to take a look at what people are ha- have. Uh, another requirement for being a DJ is uh, taking the the mixology class. Basically, you know how to how to choose your mix, how to how to present it, how to talk about it, how to transition from one track to another. Various ways to do that, um, and then. So this straight shot is kind of the old way that we used to do it, but now we've got a workaround because of COVID and we have to do so much remote. There's no way we can have a, uh, a current DJ mentor, a um, upcoming, up, uh, a wannabe DJ, an upcoming DJ. Uh, there's no way we can do that now. Everyone's got to be socially distant. So this is kind of our bypass workaround here for now. Um, you take the training and then we do a test recording and we just, We'll listen to the recording, and if you are you pass the audition, then you, we'll put you on a schedule. If it needs work, then we follow up and we talk about the work that needs to be done. So um, there, yeah, and there are all kind, and I'm just this is just kind of just the start. This doesn't include any of the committees. Um, this is all radio production tasks right here. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's a you know enormous network of of committee work that's, that's done as well. I love that. That's wonderful. So you're you're like providing tools to get people in a position where they're able to help and volunteer and and also providing them that access. So that's that's great. Right. And each one of these these represents a mile marker which can be used in Airtable and synced up so that when the the person takes that training and they fill out a survey at the end of the training, they get a check mark and you know they they'll be able there are probably going to be some cool ways that we can visually represent that to volunteers as well. So they have a better understanding of where they are in the process. So there's, you know, there's all kinds of ways that we can just generate flow charts from the information that we collect. Absolutely. It gets, it's, it's hard to like slow down when your brain gets going, thinking about all the cool things you can do with Airtable. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I'm excited to see what you guys have put together. If you want to jump into the demo, this is the universe uh, display for the recurring events calendar server. All right. And I'm going to show you a demo here. So this is a calendar. It has events on it. And um, I'm going to go backwards in time. And you'll notice that there are no events that occur in the past. And that's because the calendar server, as time marches on and a future event, the next recurrence of that event moves into the past, the calendar server automatically recalculates. So it's a perpetual calendar and you don't have to continually update it. Um, You can see that there, you know, it's the standard uh, Airtable calendar view. And let's see how stuff gets in here. Uh, You can set up weekly events, um, every Friday at 4 p.m., it's happy hour. Uh, you can set up uh, monthly events on a date, like December 25th, every 12 months. And you can also set up what we use a lot, which is really difficult to calculate, uh, the a certain, a month, let me see, monthly on a certain weekday. Mm-hmm. For example, um, Thanksgiving, fourth Thursday, every 12 months, um, the, the quarterly board meeting, the first Monday, every three months, um, Mother's Day, second Sunday, every 12 months. And you can enter all these. I'm going to show you, you can, you can enter them in general, but we have little, um, separate views for each of these event types. So you can enter your data. And for instance, here we have a, 
a board meeting in which all you need to enter is the name of the meeting, mm-hmm. the type, if you're so inclined to, to look at that, the start date, which keys for us a lot of other things, um, such as if the start date is on the fourth Thursday in November, that's what you put in uh, for Thanksgiving and the duration. And then you can make it every, every other, as many, you can, you can space things out. And um, then we lay it out. Uh, these are some of the info things, uh, info fields like, uh, you know, the board meeting is monthly every month on the second Tuesday. Now, driving all this is a set of a large set of date calculations. When I started this out, I didn't realize how crazy some of this stuff is. Not only do you need to know um, how to calculate the fourth Thursday, mm-hmm. but then you need to figure out whether the start date is in the future, in which case you're not going to show any new occurrences except the start date. And you know, if it's in the past, and you put an end date, well, you're not going to show any occurrences. And if you're already in November, is the current November's Thanksgiving date before, you know, in the past of your date or in the future? So all of these calculations um, are pretty extensive. They just go on and on and on. <laughs> and that is why we want to keep all these calculations in one place. So I'm going to show you an example. This is a sanitized version of my project management base. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing here is that I have a table that's synced. And this table in my station task space, it has all of the input and it has the output, meaning the next next occurrences for each date. Mm -hmm. None of the calculations. I don't have to worry about any of that. Right. I synchronize this in and then I can use it. For instance, here I have a task. It's the Airtable and Airtable monthly application status that is in our technical meeting. So I've added a recurring date. Here it is. It's a pointer to the synced dates table. And this is the next occurrence. And at in this particular case, the first Friday at 3 p.m. for one hour, that means on Friday, March 5th at 4 p.m., this date will automatically be recalculated to the first Friday in April, which can be really useful in a lot of cases. Yeah. I think that is about it. I wonder, um, unless, Ali, you, you have anything else you'd like me to explain about it, I think we've, we've showed it. That's wonderful. I'm just wondering, is the is your next recurrence roll-up field there? Is that just using like the min function to grab like the next date? Um, let's take a look at it. I think it's more specific to that. I could do it that way. Oh, yeah. There it is. You're exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I'm guessing it just went... It recalculates to know if, if it's in the past, then it becomes blank. And then therefore, your your next value becomes the next occurrence. That's awesome. Yeah, it and there's there's so many nice features of Airtable that that enable this. And I tried to put everything I could think of in one place because I don't want to ever do any date calculations again. Um, it does have uh, it's it's on the universe. There mm-hmm. are configuration items so you can 
you can make it, you know, your local time zone is, is the big one. Um, you set that um, in one of the field definitions and it's used everywhere else. That's awesome. That is a really big one. A lot of people struggle with times in Airtable, myself included. <laughs> Definitely. If we, have, if we have time, I'd like to sh just briefly show one other thing. After Please. all these date calculations, yes, I created I'm a pretty printer. This is the universe page for that because Airtable has a great, um, it has great integration capabilities with most of our um, development tools for um, text and for JavaScript. Mm -hmm. But the Airtable scripts themselves, they can get pretty extensive. And um, I wanted to keep them pretty so I could see them. So this is packaged as a base, a pretty printer. And I have, you, you, to use this, you bring this base up in the same browser window in a different tab as the base you're working on. Here you paste an Airtable formula from a, from a formula field, mm -hmm. and then you press the Printify button, and it takes the formula and pretty prints it. It adds spacing and indentation, um, so you've got something nice to go on. And when you've got 78 formulas in one area, and there's some pretty complex formulas that people have done, then this comes in handy. Yes, that is extremely impressive. And and I completely can relate to that as well, because I'm constantly like grabbing a text editor and pasting my formulas into that in order to read them in an easier way. So that's uh, awesome. I could it's see a it. beta now, but I, I hope to get feedback from the Airtable community on things like how you'd like to 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 do new lines and break formulas up, et cetera. That's awesome. Super, super impressive. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So people can go check that out. That is so cool. What was your inspiration behind that? Were you just the same thing as what I just described, constantly sick of changing your browser window or going? Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. And during the development of that calendar base, I just drew back. I've done pretty printers in the past, mm -hmm. back when a long time ago. Um, and they were pretty, pretty popular. And I thought, geez, this is one thing that, um, you know, it's, it's one of those chinks in the cracks. You can, you can use your favorite editor and your, uh, and your favorite development environment for, um, scripting apps, but none of these things has a, uh, pretty printer right. for the specific grammar of the Airtable formula. Exactly. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you so much for your time today. It was wonderful talking to you guys. I wish you all the best. And I uh, will put all the links in the show notes. And uh, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and WFHB? Go to WFHB.org. You can stream us on the internet. Excellent. All right. Thank you guys so much. Have a great rest of your day. Thank Thanks, you. Sally. Thanks for watching. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to give it a like or hit us up on social at Built On Air. We always love to hear your comments and suggestions. And don't forget to subscribe to catch new episodes when they release. It helps us keep the podcast going.